My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. Hi, it's Paul here. I really hope you're enjoying the show and I'm going to ask you a favour if you are. Please do follow us. If you do, you'll get to hear all of the episodes first and of course it helps with my self-esteem. I'm only joking. Don't forget to rate us. We're currently on 4.9 stars, which is really exciting and every rating makes my mum, Teresa, laugh just a little bit more. Lewis's mum, Edith, is one of those very rare and very beautiful human beings that you may only have the fortune of meeting once in your life, if you're lucky. And what I mean by that is Edith is one of the many hundreds of thousands of people up and down the country who work for the NHS. She is a nurse and, again, is one of those very rare human beings that, certainly from Lewis's description, always goes above and beyond, never asks any questions, has devoted her life to service and cares for people in their hour of most need. We're we're very lucky to have these people um, in our country and in our lives. And so many of us, if we're not related to someone who works in the NHS, um, will have been sort of touched by the NHS, cared for by the NHS, nursed back to good health. And uh, a lot of that is because of the dedication and commitment of people like Edith. It's really interesting to explore, for me, the impact that those people have on our lives, not just as individuals, but in Lewis's case, as a mum. And this is the first of a two-part series looking at how the NHS makes us. What's your mum's name? Edith. Edith, gorgeous name. And can you paint us a mental picture of Edith? Oh, Edith is great. She has got the most ridiculously lovely smile, and she always has. It's one thing that sort of is very striking lovely frizzy hair mm. so sort of it's always it's always in pristine condition mm. and she's very strong like i said because i would every now and then would you know play around we banter a lot with each other she we've got nicknames she like what uh, come on you gotta uh, show <laughs> <laughs> but she's got a series of nicknames for me which aren't that nice but pinhead small ears <laughs> i call her fat head okay uh, and we've had these names since i was yeah. basically a kid and Literally, I will. I think today I WhatsApp to her calling her how's work yesterday, fathead. <laughs> but she's very strong. So you challenged her to an arm wrestle, I think, last Christmas. Oh, you see, I thought, I'm sorry to interrupt. I thought when you said she's very strong, you were going to give like the sort of the kind of pat answer of like emotionally strong. Oh, I mean. You're talking about it. like brute force. Oh, no. You know, she beats me in an arm wrestle. I mean, that doesn't say much, to be honest. I was going to say. Most that, people can beat me in an arm wrestle. Is that a comment on you? A comment, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think she's actually quite strong. I mean, she's been a nurse for almost 40 years wow. and you know she's worked in some of london's toughest hospitals and that you know mm. you've got to be on your feet you've got to be agile you've got to sort of have multiple balls spinning in the air and that does create a sense of toughness both physically and emotionally i think and what was your kind of perception of her mm. as this wonderful woman this nurse this hard-working nurse when you were a kid did you see that like what was the sort of memory there yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I think I definitely knew she was hardworking and, you know, she would do nights as well, as well as working during the daytime. And she was, I think, very, very adamant that she would be there for parents' evening. She would take us to school. She'd come to play groups and then would sort of put us to bed, go to work. And so my mom was very active at school, in our school. And then obviously she would go off and work nights. And you sort of, 
I mean, you don't have a frame of reference as a kid, so you assume mm. like that's what most mums do. It's like she worked hard, but you know, you never get the sense that she was stressed or that she was tired. She was very, very good at sort of you know being in the moment. And I think you know that work ethic you just just pick up, and you know we're all all quite hardworking as a family. I think the other point as well is growing up, sort of my mum played a big role in her extended family. My mum has got, you know, 12 brothers and sisters. Wow. All scattered across the world, mainly in Nigeria and in the yeah. US. And sort of, you also see your mum in that context as well yeah. as a lead, playing a leadership role, yeah. though she's amongst the youngest in her family. So I think both work and seeing her go off to work at night regularly, but sort of being there present, but also playing quite a pivotal role in the family, especially she was the only one in the UK. You sort of pick up sort of quite a lot from that. And I'm kind of interested, you know, it sort of goes against, I guess, people's received wisdom about younger children in big mm. families. But putting that to one side for a second, what do you think was driving her in taking this leadership role, mm. as you were saying? I think part of it was a recognition that, you know, you get to the UK, she came here fairly young, had me and my siblings. There was a sense of, you know, if you get on the ladder... You, you can't sort of pull it up behind you. You have to take an interest in sort of where you've come from, whether that's by, you know, sending money back home. So I remember, always remember sort of clothes being sent back home, wow. money being given to sort of orphanages, that sort of stuff. You sort of, there's a sense of if you do well, you've yeah. got to sort of remember where you came from. Yeah. And I, it's one of the biggest lessons I've taken. You always ask yourself, you know, do you end up doing quite well yourself? am I doing as much as I can? And yeah. you sort of have that at the back of your mind. It's an important life lesson, I think. And I was going to say, because there was clearly a learning from your childhood from her. Mm. Was she ever explicit about that advice? As in like, did she verbalize in that way? Or was it very much learning, you learning through her experience? I mean, it was such a strong sense of, I mean, it was so strong and so impactful what she did. You, I mean, it didn't even have to be said. It was mm. just the done thing. And I think... You know, subsequently when family came here or you go there, you see the admiration they have mm. for her. I mean, in a similar vein, you know, I every now and then would meet her work colleagues and or you go into work and, you know, you can pick her up from work with your dad, whatever. And you saw how sort of her colleagues reacted to her. You could tell she played a big, important role. And then, you know, she's semi-retired now, so she only works a couple of days a week, if that. So she's um, still hard at work. Yeah, 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 I know. And, you know, look, that sense of obligation still continues because obviously there's a big shortage of nurses. Yeah, It's one of the things we talk a lot about. And during COVID, she, you know, up to hours, she's still in wow. there. And she's always sort of feels, Man, maybe she should do more. And then she's like, well, now I've retired done my bit, but I want to still play a role. And so, you know, when she, at her retirement party, the whole, you know, the whole apartment came down, I was there and yeah, you sort of see how many lives she's touched over yeah. the decades. That's wonderful. Mm. How did that make you feel both as her son, but mm. also kind of as a spectator to her life in that respect? Oh, very proud, very proud, very proud. And, you know, it's sort of, you don't really necessarily think about your parents' place of work as much. And, you know, for me, hospitals aren't the best of places, right? No, the best of times. So you sort of, I think she was, mama was very good at not bringing work home. Like yeah. she was, there was almost a sort of, 
I'm at home, not going to tell you about. I guess you can't. Yeah. Really. You, can't. Yeah. you can't. You can't. You can't. I mean, you can't legally. You can't also mm. because it's really heavy stuff. Mm. And so it was a sense of pride, but also almost just an awakening of just actually what it means to work with so many people in a, in a hospital. Mm. But also, this sounds like a really silly point. I've never seen that many nurses and doctors in one place before. No, that right. is like, and this was yeah. only, gosh, maybe six, seven years ago. Yeah. If that, probably maybe five years ago. We call her Jolly. Jolly is a word we use all the time yeah. in my siblings for her because she just always is quite optimistic and i guess that might be a, a reaction to the environment she's working yeah. for the past 50 you, you have to, you have to be. kind of see the positives in yeah. life otherwise it will just drag you down and you can't let what is clearly the difficulty and fortunateness of other people's circumstances you know where they find themselves mm. sort of affect you because they're looking to you to be this like wall of strength as well yeah. like is that how you see her like because we've heard a lot about nurse edith mm. or edith the sort of professional mm. was there much of a difference between that and sort of like mum at home so i mean mum at home is very very social and again this you know nigerians are very social mm. right and i think the diaspora it's a very strong diaspora in many ways that sort of, it comes together to support each other, especially since there was a wave of immigration that happened in the early eighties that my parents were part of. And you come with basically no networks at all mm. other than the sort of people who are in a similar situation mm. or people who were in the last wave. And so one of the things which I remember, and I still remember is that just the relentless partying. <laughs> no just, way. Just sort of hosting parties, going to parties, birthdays what i mean it was you know there's always people in the house and my mom was always entertaining yeah. and she loved entertaining yeah and you know both my mom and dad were sort of at the center of a lot of social groups wow. and would you know be the center of conversation would sort of it was it sounds odd but there wasn't a huge amount of time where it was just the five of us as a family yeah. there was always people in the house or we were always at other um, how, how does an edith party go down like what's the sort of music what's the vibe yeah, good sort of so i think i got my love for disco music mm. from my mum and the vinyl records that sort of you hear growing up yeah african high life so sort of from the 60s and 70s a bit of african disco yeah but also randomly Kenny Rogers. Is he the sort of saxophonist? No, it's the, my mom was really into country music. Oh, Kenny, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Dolly Parton. Wow. So there's quite a lot of country music that she would play every now and then. It was really, yeah. really odd. But I'm it's really glad in a way that you've told me that Edith is still a nurse and, and was, mm. you know, a nurse for many, many years because there's a story I want to tell you about my mom. Mm. And it involves one of her experiences with the NHS. So my mom is wonderful human being. She's had, a, you know, quite a few health problems in the last sort of 20 years, nothing too serious. One of them was a prolapsed womb. Oh. Now, apparently this is very common in women of a certain age. Oh. My aunt had it as well. She went into hospital to sort of have this dealt with effectively. And I don't think she quite understood that she was having basically a hysterectomy, which is, you know, kind of the common medical procedure to deal with that sort of problem. She is also simultaneously very skeptical of what she calls generic medicine. So anything produced by a pharma company, anything that feels sort of like 
electronic and modern, she's sort of like incredibly sort of anxious about, which, you know, doesn't necessarily bode well with modern NHS. (laughs) And so they sort of said, look, we're going to have to, we're obviously going to, you know, they talked her through the procedure and she said, oh, we're going to have to have anesthetic. And they said, of course, you're going to have to have anesthetic. We usually give general anesthetic. And she said, oh, no, no, not for me. No, I'm not going to have that. I don't want any anesthetic. I'll take my herbal medicine. We'll come back to the herbal medicines. (laughs) They said, look, well, we can't legally kind of operate on you without sort of, you know, sedation you to some extent so she had local anesthetic but refused all painkillers after the procedure i went to visit her and she produced when i asked her like what she was doing to soothe the pain she produced a bottle of holland and barrett white willow bark now i've never heard of white willow bark i looked on the back it's listed as a food supplement you know so she's sort of self-medicating on this sort of you know weird herbal witchcraft the nurses and and sort of consultants are going just a bit mad because you know she's obviously making their lives a bit difficult but the funniest part of this whole episode was i think partly because of the procedure and and kind of where it all is inside she'd been constipated post-procedure or even pre-procedure as well and by the time i'd visited her it had been five days since she'd passed and the nurse took me to one side and told me this and asked me to have a word with my mum. My mum refused to take laxatives for aforementioned reasons. And when I sort of pleaded with her and said, look, it's fine, it's cool, I've had them before. She said, well, look, you know, if I need to, if it worst comes to the worst, I'll do it the old fashioned way. I'll don a glove and I'll go up there myself. <laughs> To which I said, I think you have a real misunderstanding of the human anatomy. Eight meters of digestive tract is not something that you're going to be able to navigate. And these poor health workers were just sort of baffled by the whole experience. And there is a question here. My question is, what would Edith have done? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I do, you know, I don't. I think she would have laughed at this. I think she would have seen the comedy in it. Definitely 100%. I think the odd story of the years about tricky customers and mm. people she's has to, yeah. But I think one of the skills I think my mum deploys based on her stories is that she's very, very good at getting people on side mm. and talking, especially families on side and then getting them to get patients on side. So I think one of the things I noticed was just how many notes and letters she'd get from families, wow. especially if their family member had passed away. And I think my mum would have, yeah, my mum would have laughed, seen the humour in it, but sort of tried to sort of, you know, be good cop and not force the issue. Yeah. But subtly hit but that issue. Interesting happened. that you choose the word force because, I mean, she <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. needed uh, a little bit bad. of encouragement. Maybe, maybe, yeah, sort of poor choice of words. What a funny story. I oh, know. Completely delivered deadpan. <laughs> no, did she say that to you deadpan? It wasn't a joke. Oh, like she yeah. was, I mean, she is a really interesting woman and a very eccentric woman and i think she truly sort of was trying to reconcile her skepticism anxiety with for want of a better phrase modern medicine and a solution and that was the only solution she saw in her head which is bizarre oh oh no, <laughs> Bless her. back to edith i asked my guests all of my guests this question if there was a biopic of edith's life who would play her Oh, that is a very, very, very good question. I want to say, and you know what? It's really annoying because I don't know the actress's name, but I've always thought that Lisa Landry from Sister Sister. Oh, yeah. Just for me, one of the reasons why I love that show because it <laughs> literally reminded me of my mum, Lisa. How so? Just in terms of her jolliness, her sort of being quite optimistic, like full of energy, even sort of 
the way she looks. Like my mum's very fair. Mm. And so there's quite a lot of similarities actually mm. between her. I also think, you know, she's quite larger than life. And I think my mum's mm. that to a certain extent. I'm sure I can think of probably other people. That's a very good question. Mm. Who would play your mum? Oh, well, I sort of change my answer every time someone asks me oh. this. Um, <laughs> it'd have to be an incredibly talented actor to be able to sort of capture the range of madness and sort of adventure in my mum's life. I think... I said this on the sort of last episode. It would be a combination of Tilda Swinton oh. and Miriam Margolis. Actually, oh, I changed my name. Oh, yeah, I think Miriam Margolis good. has the sort of like just the madness, yeah. the eccentricity, and Tilda Swinton obviously has the props to just play any range of characters. Oh, but, good yeah. one. Those are good choices. Yeah, my life's work I think will be complete when I introduce my mum to Miriam Margolis. I have to first, of course, become friends with Miriam Margolis. But I think they would get it on... Do you not have her on as a guest? As a, I've, no. got, I've actually got her on speed. <laughs> She's coming in next. Welcome to the... No, I'm joking. No, and, well, like Miriam Margolis, my mum is gay, but she hasn't had a partner for sort of 15, 20 years. I think Miriam Margolis might be partnered, but, you know, she may be up you for a know. little bit of companionship. Know. Who knows? You never know. I'm sure she must be in a play. You can stalk outside and just loiter. It's, yeah, okay, okay. Okay, well, this is okay. What is your advice for me befriending Miriam Margolis? Do I need to sort of do that? I do you know what I think? She must be in a play. Yes. It's that sort of loitering outside that back area where they yeah. go out inside and then sort of, you know, making your move. And, and what, what's my kind of like pitch? I think you have to probably create a script. Yeah. A sample script. And maybe that story in the hospital is probably yeah. like one of the scenes that you want to create and just shove it in her hand. Yeah. So you read this. If you're interested, let like, me know. Let's do a readout. Has Edith met, and I ask this because actually up until, ooh, up until sort of a few months ago, my mum hadn't met any of my friends, which we can talk about. Mm. But like, has Edith met a lot of your friends? No, do you know? Okay. No, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, there's a layer of, we are all close, but we're not close enough that I would, you know, we would hang out or she Isn't would you and your mum or you, you and your friends? Me and my mum. Okay. So even at school, she hadn't met many of my mm. my friends. It's just like, it's like, actually, I thought it was relatively, I thought it was quite uncommon, but actually quite, it's true, yes. quite a few of my friends. So, yeah, no, I do remember though, my shouldn't <laughs> My mum not really liking the parents of some of my friends at school. <laughs> oh, really? With good reason? Was she like a good judge of character? I just think they just, she thought there was a bit, a bit dull. <laughs> um, quite, I'm not going to name names in it, case they're here, but my mum was a big gossip. Oh, uh, I love that. And so the classic sort of someone phones back in the day when people actually phoned landlines. Yeah. And they'd ring and then they'll talk, my mum would talk and then she would drop the phone, pick it up again to just check them off, drop it in. <laughs> and then gossip. recount the whole tale. <laughs> gossip, oh, I yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah. And what I love as well is that the sin of said friend's parents wasn't that, you know, the kids that you were friends with was <laughs> sort of trouble or anything. It was that they were dull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, awfully, awfully judgmental. One of the things which I think I took from my mum in terms of being a good host is sort of, the idea that just because you're an immigrant, just because you're black, just because you're Nigerian, doesn't mean you can't sort of not mimic kind of what sort of estab quote of the establishment mm. do. But yeah, of course you should be able to sort of look good when you have dinner. Mm. Of course you should be able to have a dining table. Of course you should be able to, you know, 
celebration, have champagne and whatever. So she, mm. I think she was great at fusing like British culture with like Nigerian culture, mm. you know? And she loved, <laughs> her favorite TV show is still Keeping Up Appearances. <laughs> High uh, UK. I, I mean, yeah. li literally I got her a Britbox subscription just so yeah. she can watch the reruns. She absolutely loved it. Great. What up. do you think she likes about the character? My mum's into it for design. She loves plants and gardening. She just like liked the attention to detail mm. that character mm. had and thought she was funny and saw, yeah. the, saw the hilariousness of it and yeah. the ridiculousness of it as well. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there was an aspirational point there, which is that, yeah, actually, you know, there's a really, I think it was around the same time where my dad set up the shop, they bought the first house. Luckily it was in Stratford long before the Olympic games. Yeah, You know, it was the same time that sort of they were progressing in, in life. Mm. And I felt that sort of maybe that show spoke to some of yeah. the inspiration. Yeah. No matter how ridiculous. In a kind of was. like light and, and with levity as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I'm really glad that you said your, well, Edith is a fantastic cook because I'm definitely going to wangle an invitation. Yeah, please, you should. And I know this is a really horrible thing to say about any of your parents, but my mom, I think by her admission, is definitely not a good cook, bless her. And picture the scene. But you're such a good cook. Oh, that's very kind of you. I really enjoy it. And I think in the way that you said, I'm not a good cook or I'm not into cooking because your mom was really good, I have the opposite. Yes, um, compensate. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Basically, I mean, her, picture the scene, Bradford, late 80s, vegan. Like it was vegetables and tofu. And the problem was, you know, she had a real, I guess what we would now call... <laughs> perhaps a boomer British approach to cooking. Mm. The vegetables were unseasoned and boiled, as was the tofu. So it was kind of bland. Final question mm. from me, Lewis. I don't know whether you've told Edith that you were doing this or mm. you, you have, that's fantastic. Hopefully she will listen to it. If she was listening right now and she'd heard all the things that mm. you had said, how do you think she'd react? I think she would burst into laughter. <laughs> I think oh. she, it's a default. And she'd probably call me some of the inappropriate names pinhead. and calls me mm. fathead pinhead no i think she'd obviously love it and you know i wrote a book a few years ago about mm. again because i'm a nerd about <laughs> how to win arguments yeah but actually what i talk about a lot in that book is why i got interested in that theme that topic that activity in the first place and it's because i spent my life seeing my parents and my mom in particular standing up and talking in public spaces mm. and community groups, at sort of events, et cetera. And I think when she read the passage, the relative bit in the book, I mean, she was, yeah, she felt an immense amount of pride because it, you don't always say it to your parents, you know, yeah. it's almost the unspoken thing yeah. that you're proud of them and yeah. what they've done. And so I think seeing it crystallized in that form and hearing it, I think, yeah, she'd be really proud. And that's fantastic that she's, given you those memories but also those i guess abilities in yourself we need to get our mums to i think 100 well your mom could teach my mum to cook <laughs> thank you so much no it was an absolute pleasure